0: Welcome to CAA Conversations. My name is Steve Rossi, and I'm an assistant professor in the sculpture program head at St. Joseph's University in Philadelphia. In this conversation, I'll be speaking with Michael Asbill, an assistant professor in the sculpture program at the State University of New York at New Paltz, and Amanda Heidel, an interdisciplinary artist who explores social engagement on many levels in her practice. For Amanda's MFA thesis work at SUNY New Paltz, she developed a community collaboration project titled The Mushroom Shed, which we'll be talking about the development of today. Our conversation starts out with Amanda reading the mission statement for this interdisciplinary project that develops connections between the sculpture program, the biology department, the university, and the surrounding community. More information can be found online at mushroomshed.us.
1: The Mushroom Shed is an experimental laboratory for community mushroom education, an incubator for cultivating connections and community ideas, and for bringing people together in a non-hierarchical learning space. And we have some guiding principles uh, that are connect, gather, grow, and share. So connect are the, is, is the many ways fungi are part of our lives. And we look to the mushroom life cycle as a model for community engagement and to gather in physical and virtual spaces to learn with one another, grow together to support one another and learn how to work with fungi and share resources, materials, knowledge and teaching materials and experiences.
0: Great. Thank you. So, Michael, um, you've had a long standing interest in art, ecology and collaboration. Um, How have these interests manifested themselves in your pedagogy in general, and then uh, specifically in your work with Amanda as a grad student in uh, the SUNY New Paltz uh, sculpture program?
2: Yeah absolutely and, and thank you Steve for doing this with us it's it's just really exciting to be a part of this um, so you're right art ecology collaboration those are all sort of like core components of not just my pedagogy but my practice you know I'd also loop social engagement art into that sort of like uh, uh, grouping uh, the how does that sort of like play into the pedagogy um, you know, um, at in the sculpture program at SUNY New Paltz right now, uh, we're really concentrating on sustainability. We're really concentrating on building community. How can we actually sort of create an environment that's actually a nurturing environment uh, for the students we're working with? So instead of the kind of build somebody or break somebody down so that you can kind of build them up, we're actually trying to help people sort of like find kind of authentic paths and sort of like really sort of really helped them kind of navigate toward those paths. Um, And I think uh, these interests in kind of ecosystems, this interest in working together, uh, play a vital part of that or or a vital part in that. Um, Working with Amanda was an amazing first step in some regard. Uh, Amanda was present uh, when I I arrived at the program and uh, had, a lot of the same interests I had. Uh, was asking a lot of similar uh, questions. We, we had a similar research trajectory. Really what I saw as my responsibility was to embrace the fact that Amanda was this incredible student with so many interests. Every time there was a volunteer opportunity, Amanda's hand was up. <laughs> Everything that sort of like showed up in our you know classes every project every prompt was a just incredible interest to amanda Um, my job in some ways was to help guide amanda toward uh, a more sort of you know substantial project that could be then really engaged in fully uh in easy task (laughs) amanda amanda is such a doer uh it was kind of a matter of stepping back uh and then offering tons of encouragement. Mm-hmm. I'll go with that.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, Amanda, do you wanna sort of give us like a kind of a brief um, outline or framework of your your um, MFA thesis project, uh, the Mushroom Shed, just sort of the different kind of interdisciplinary collaborations that you um, started to undertake?
1: Sure, so um, yeah, there was the, the collaborations with uh, the school. So, connecting with uh, the biology department uh, to actually learn how to cultivate mushrooms was a huge part of this project. There was also the community engagement, which was really a need to cultivate connections within the community and local businesses and organizations. So I actually spent like the majority of my time out in the community, like not in my studio at all. having meetings with people. I feel like I, I, you know, I did like a whole year of just meeting with people. Um, and most of the time I had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. And then eventually like themes started to form. Um, and so it was about from the beginning, creating spaces for dialogue within the businesses and the, um, the organizations and the foundations that I was working with within the community in an effort to create a larger dialogue with the the, the public. So um, I was meeting with people to really understand the issues um, and maybe come up with solutions together. So that was not planned from my point of view. It was really like a, meant to be an emerging process. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the material exploration aspect. I love working with different materials. Uh, There's just something that really gets me going about um, exploring materials and finding all different purposes uh, for using them. So. Um, I was wanting to, I was looking for places where there was abundance of materials within the community and trying to reuse them to create something useful. So there was the material aspect of the project that was actually really important. And it's still really important in the project because we continue to use, uh, you know, materials that are otherwise ending up in a landfill to create our, you know, mushroom kits or mushroom projects within, for the community. Mm -hmm. And then there was the social uh, practice aspect of involving the community in every step of the process. And then there was trying to untangle myself from the project, uh, which was a big part of this—to um, uh, not allow not it to be all tangled up with me, but really allow more of like the community to lead the project. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, and thats during... kind of
0: like where you are right now with the project, right?
1: Yeah, um, so I kind of left my thesis project. That was how I was leaving it. With how do I untangle myself? And it's still been a process, which has been extremely interesting. And um, uh, I think that we're getting closer. So that that has been really cool. And um, and then there, of course, was like the thesis show um, and the we did a mushroom festival uh, as part of the thesis. Mm-hmm. And and now um, I also see there the. The main points of the project are also the functionality of the project so like the funding streams and communication strategies for not only just working with internal internally with our small group but also with the larger community.
0: Mm-hmm. And so, so within the with um, so you were creating this sort of community um, a, a, a shed to house um, uh, the growing of mushrooms that was sort of accessible to the larger. Um, the larger community, and so within the kind of the growing of the mushrooms, um, you had the, the different ways that uh, uh, the the people could experience this project. And so, for like right around the t- time that your thesis project was happening, you you had the um, the on-site festival which the community was invited to, and you had a lot of um, different um, businesses sort of donating materials and also creating. Um, using using mushrooms in different recipes that they that they were making and then you had the museum exhibition component too and we'll talk about that a little bit more but i just wanted to kind of outline those various um aspects of kind of what the project encompassed Um, and so i was curious um amanda from your perspective and then michael from your perspective like how did how did you guys like amanda how did you choose um which organizations or which individuals to kind of network to in the community and uh, how like how did you sort of um, sift through all of the different possibilities that were there, and like how did you start those conversations?
1: It was pretty organic. Um, It was kind of like going to one person and then one person would say, you know, you should talk to this person. And then I would go and talk to that person and then that person would lead me to another person. And so it very much um, like, you know, to use mushroom terms, mycelial, Mm. um, it was very much like a a mycelium growing. Uh, Mm. It was like, you know, spores connecting, each person was a spore connecting one to another and then creating this thread that, you know, Came throughout the community um to form the project Mm
0: -hmm. it's interesting and i I really like how you you framed like your interest in materials as sort of something that um that that got this project started because I i feel like that's a very sculptural connection, even though you're talking a lot about community engagement, there's still this sort of you're making something. And in this case, you're making the, the um, conditions that would allow mushrooms to uh, to grow properly. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just interesting to see that from a like uh, it, within the framework of like a sculpture uh, tradition right there. Amanda, for like the initial interest in like mushrooms, like how did you sort of settle on that?
1: That was also uh, a whirlwind of different Different scenarios that kind of just happened. I was really interested in fermentation. And so I was trying all these different things. And I remember Michael being like, I feel like you gotta find one thing. Um, like it'll just it would just be helpful. It'll ground you because I was all over the place. There was like stuff fermenting in my uh in my studio. I was like, collecting all these bagels, I was grinding the bagels up and um rebaking them into bread. I was doing all this stuff and um, And then there was a few things. Um, I was at the time doing a, I was like doing a protest where I was only eating uh, food from uh, within like a certain amount of miles from where I was. And at the time I was also vegan. So there wasn't really many options um, for me to, you know, find local uh, sustainable uh, meat alternatives. And someone was like, have you ever tried mushrooms? And I was like, actually, I." have, I don't really eat mushrooms. And so um, Michael had, Michael had connected me to the Mycological Society. And then I sort of started um, getting involved with going on mushroom uh, walks. And at the same time, Michael was leading a, uh, I think it was the sound class. It was a, it was a sound, a sculpture sound class. And we had done a project in, um, it was called Widow Jane Mine. It's this, uh, this amazing cave in Rosendale, New York. And so in one of the projects was to explore the cave and explore the history of the cave and then do a project related to that. And so they actually used to grow mushrooms in the cave. And so I I had made this like breathing sculpture uh, that kind of, it was like a, it was like a, a I, I like dug up clay in the, in the mine and made this like vessel that then like was um, spewing out, um, we filled it with water, I forget exactly what was happening with it, but it was like a breathing machine, and Mm. mushrooms were supposed to be growing in the um, ceramic, uh, in the ceramic vessel, so that it would be like a living, breathing sculpture, but the mushrooms didn't get there in time, so I ended up just actually growing the mushrooms in my apartment, and I got really, you know, I was and I was like very up close and personal with these mushrooms and I was like this is amazing these things mm. are amazing i mm. i did not grow up eating mushrooms really i didn't have an like, exposure to mushrooms so i was like this is incredible i would like go and harvest them from my closet i like, think i was like growing them hanging them from the closet interesting and so yeah interesting
0: um so michael is that is that sort of how you remember your kind of initial exposure to, to Amanda's um mushroom shed project
2: yeah absolutely Um, There's some really interesting stuff there I would love to go back to. I think you can see just how sort of miraculously Amanda's mind works and how she sort of moves through so gracefully through this landscape of all of these things that she wants to think about and talk about and work with. Um, You know, it was, I kind of want to underscore the fact that I think my job here uh, was a sport job. Um, I was there to sort of like, you know, hear Amanda when it's like, boy I've got like these 15 things going on I don't know how to kind of move forward through all of this you know and it's like well how do we map this how do we how do we frame this out so you can kind of like see it all in front of you Mm -hmm. and of course Amanda adapted by getting four by eight sheets of plywood and kind of hauling them into the studio and marking this stuff all up with pictures and plotting it all out and Mm -hmm. calling it these kind of like obstacle maps uh, of a sort and and, Mm -hmm. and you know really kind of Uh, doing such a marvelous job, figuring out like, what is the trajectory through the projects that I'm participating in. Mm -hmm. Um, The other thing that I wanted to return to here for a moment um, was the fact that uh, Amanda was, again, sort of like reaching out and exploring all of these different areas. Amanda referenced the fact that I was kind of like, well, I think maybe we have to find something here you can really sink your teeth into Mm -hmm. Um, as wonderful as all of these different experiments are and as important and as exciting as they all are. You know, I have a funny feeling if you kind of like find something that you can really sort of settle on, you know, it's going to expand in front of you. It's really going to unfold. And I think that's what happened with the mushrooms and I'm a forager. So I was able to also offer some, mushroom walks uh at this time as well we were oh, able cool. to go out into the woods and you know see what was growing there and uh um you know think about what could be found in the natural environment but i didn't have the skills uh to help a man to grow these mushrooms mm-hmm. you know that wasn't my that wasn't my background right right yeah um, For,
0: foraging them and then cultivating them two different skills totally different worlds yeah, not yeah. the same thing at yeah. all
2: although we made some efforts, you know, we tried to do some things, but they kept drying out. And so my memory is that a a logical next step was to then sort of like seek out somebody who could actually help make that happen, Um, you know, uh, or one logical step. There were many Mm -hmm. steps that were happening kind of simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, that might have, for example, that, that was, for example, one logical step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where Amanda was doing such a wonderful job looking out to other departments in the school, you know, starting to build bridges, mm-hmm. um, to programs like biology, uh, and really, um, building a network, uh, yeah. like I had never seen another student build a network. Yeah. Um, I also want to acknowledge that, um, within the context uh, of a program, like what the one we have at SUNY New Paltz, New Paltz, which is, uh, very much built around a pretty sort of traditional framework of sculpture, printing, uh, and printmaking, uh, painting, mm-hmm. you know, uh, photography. Yeah. There Individual
0: wasn't a, disciplines.
2: Exactly. There wasn't yeah. a lot of space for something like social engagement art at that moment. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think maybe some support was necessary in that way as well. Yeah. Somebody to tell you like, Oh no, you're, I think you're down, going down exactly the right path mm-hmm. and you should stick with it. Yeah. And that, and there were other faculty who supported that uh, yeah. as well. Matthew Friday, Emily Putoff, Andrea Frank, and again, Amanda was just so good at getting out there and making contacts with all of those people yeah. and pushing her thought project forward.
0: It's it's interesting to hear too how uh, Michael, as your role as um, sort of a thesis advisor, um, you you really sort of helped to. Um, get it's like Amanda did a, a really fabulous job doing extensive research in a lot of different areas. And, you, and your role was really to help kind of narrow that research down and, and to sort of focus that effort in a way. So that's just yeah. sort of interesting to hear about.
2: Narrow it so that it
0: could open again. Yeah. You know,
2: I just yeah. want to make that point. Um, I think, I think what was, what was exciting to me is that I knew the minute that Amanda sort of like committed to one kind of like pursuit, it would just unfold Mm -hmm. in in front of her. Now I'm not saying, oh, I know everything. (laughs) You know, Amanda was just waiting for me to help her discover. No, I I I think I just, trusted that that might be the case because Amanda was just so good yeah. at getting out there and, and doing extensive and extensive and expansive research.
0: Yeah, so we'll go on to the, uh, we'll talk about the collaborations in a second, but I, I wanted to just back up a, a little bit more and, um, and Amanda, give you a chance to talk about some of those like early um, unsuccessful efforts in terms of like material uh, exploration that you went through. Um, and we listed here uh, bagels, peach peach pits, coffee grounds, restaurant food scraps. And so like my initial exposure to your project was as the, uh, I was working at the time as the instructional support technician. And so thinking about like how to, how to grow um, fungus in the sculpture studio was, was definitely not something that I had any experience with. Um, whereas like, as Michael mentioned, The especially the way that the um, sort of the intro level classes are structured, it's very sort of traditional uh, material orientations like woodworking, plaster casting, metal working. And so that was a big part of my job was just making sure we had the materials on hand and the space organized in such a way to facilitate that type of material exploration. But you you are sort of taking your material exploration in a completely different direction, which is just really interesting to see. the kind of the the offshoots of that too. Do you want to talk a little bit about like anything that's kind of stood out as as maybe a spectac- spectacular failure or or just something where you were kind of like, huh, I'm not quite sure if I'm going to be able to get this thing to work, or or kind of like where kind of anything that stands out from that 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 initial early research.
1: What initially stands out to me is like all I would get the emails from Steve and like other members in the, in the studio being like, So there is like really smelly <laughs> things happening.
0: A lot of mold growing. <laughs> A lot of <laughs> mold is growing.
1: <laughs> because, and I remember specifically, so I actually got really into paper making my first year um, at SUNY. And so every, originally I was actually collecting all these materials and like casting them into paper. And then I was like, "Why am I making paper?" And then so, um, and then I realized I wanted to do more with these with these like scraps that I was sort of um, collecting. And it started with the restaurant food scraps. So I had collected um, from a local restaurant um, all of their compost, and so I started fermenting their compost um, with no real intention. I, I had no idea where I was going with it, but I started, you know fermenting the compost. And then I, you know, I realized that was when I initially realized that there was like a major composting obstacle within the the town of Newpaltz mm. because it was he had no way of composting anything. And then later on I learned that like mostly none of the businesses had mm. a compost system. Interesting. And so then I was collecting the coffee grounds and I I think I was casting them. I wasn't really sure what to do with them. And then um the peach pits uh was so like very memorable for me like I, I had one day I just I ate a peach and the husk broke open and there was this little seed inside and I couldn't believe it I was like this could totally be almond milk like it could be an mm. alternative to almond milk because it was mm. this little peach seed that looked a lot like an almond and I had never for some reason opened a peach pit to see what was inside of it. And so then, you know, I went to the the local orchards and I collected all their peach pits and I had like bags and bags of peach pits. And then I realized, okay, so I could really work with um, these different businesses because they clearly want to get rid of, they need need an outlet to, you know, get rid of their materials. Mm -hmm. So um, I started breaking over these peach pits and I would make peach seed milk um and so then I did this you know a performance where I made um peach seed yogurt and so we we kind of and then but then I realized you know there were so many things that weren't working with the peach apparently it's like not good for you
0: to mm, eat right peach seeds. a little
1: bit toxic <laughs> <so>. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so that that didn't really work <laughs> and then the bagels was you know the bagels was actually one of my other favorites because so I was you know, I learned that almost every bagel shop throws away like bags and bags and bags of bagels every day. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, they could only donate so many bagels. And, you know, I asked the owner, I said, why do you even make that many bagels? And he's like, well, because I could, it's, it's worse to have someone come in here and we don't have an everything bagel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, wow. Okay. So, um, so I'm like, again, you know, taking on all these materials and like, you know, trying to figure out a solution for them. So as I shared before, I was like shredding them into like breadcrumbs and rebaking them It's bread. And I um, cast them into paper and made bagel paper. Um, and then we tried, and then we realized, okay, the coffee grounds, and then there was also spent beer grains so the coffee grounds the beer grains could actually be used to grow mushrooms so it was that was kind of where everything started to come together Mm, um and at the same time we started we actually wanted to see if bagels would work so it was like a mission of mine Mm -hmm. to like try to find the mushrooms to grow on the bagels i really wanted this to happen yeah I've later learned that there's yeast in the bagels which compete with the fungi. Oh, and, and so they cannot grow on bagels. Yeah. So, it's not um,
2: just good art. It's kind of like good science. Yeah. You know? yeah. yeah. Here's, here's, here's uh, Amanda just kind of experimenting and experimenting and experimenting and experimenting. Yeah, With 30. really good reasons to do that experimentation, yeah. right? Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, bagels, grain. You know right. why not let's put it out there let's yeah. make a slurry let's
0: see what grows yep. mm-hmm. and, and, yeah smart. and also that idea of trying to like just reduce reuse and recycle as much yep. as possible you know try, try to grow something new on, a, on a, a material that would be typically seen as a waste material at that point yeah. Right. All right um so I'll, I'll list out the various uh collaborations that you started with and i think it's interesting to kind of um break down each one to just sort of see how those how things initially developed. Um, Let's see, so uh, uh, collaborations occurred um, in this project between the SUNY New Paltz Sculpture Program and uh, the Biology Department, the Graphic Design Program, um, the Mid-Hudson Mycological Society, the Huguenot Historical Society, the Grilled Cheese Shop, Village Pizza, Bacchus Restaurant and Pub, Ulster County Community College and the Reformed Church of New Paltz, and I'm sure there's a couple in there that that didn't that I didn't list too. Yeah, like the Bagel Shop and the Daily Grind, and yeah, 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 yeah. yep. And so it's interesting from a perspective of like interdisciplinary collaboration and like sculpture in the expanded field to, to see all the different ways that you um, kind of were branching out here. And and I love that parallel, that metaphor that you that you uh, linked it to of sort of the way that mycelium grows too. It's like such an interesting like parallel to the process of how a mushroom grows as well as to how the creative process uh, can evolve. Um, so if we were to just start with like the biology department like growing the mushrooms on campus like that because that's like an interesting connection right there between an art department and and, uh the the, uh, biology department uh, which doesn't doesn't often happen uh in an institutional perspective um or, or setting so it's so what was that kind of like to just initially be able to kind of like reach out to people on campus did you did you come up against resistance were people super um engaged right off the off the bat like what was that like
1: um well with the biology department so you know i as michael shared before like we needed to find someone that could actually knew how to cultivate mushrooms and i wanted to work with someone pretty in depth because i really i really wanted to understand how to do this And so I just Googled uh, uh, biology department or mycology, SUNY New Paltz and this professor in the biology department named Dr. Han Ho came up and so I reached out to him and said, you know, I'm a sculpture student. I'm looking to start this project. I've been gathering the coffee grounds and the beer grains and the bagels. And I'm wondering if you could help me learn how to grow out uh, mushrooms on these materials. And so he said, sure, you can come to my office and we'll talk about it. And when I went there, he said, no one, none of my students ever want to learn about mushrooms. And he, Mm. I went in his um, office and in his, um, his lab, and there's just like fruiting blocks of mushrooms Mm. everywhere. So he was like clearly a mushroom person. and so he was very interested in the fact that i wanted to learn how to grow mushrooms i think that he didn't realize he was going to have to like help me a lot more than i needed than you know i I, because in the beginning he was kind of like okay just go do your thing and i was like okay and so he you know i watched some youtube videos and he did help me you know a good amount but he saw me kind of failing a lot like mold would grow and like everything would get contaminated. And then finally I was like, Han, I think I need your help. And so we set up a weekly meeting Mm. and we would go into the lab together. And he actually like really taught me how to do things in a sterile way, Mm. how to, we learned, he taught me how to clone mushrooms, which is actually taking a little piece of uh, the mushroom fruit body, which is, you know, what you see above ground Mm -hmm. and um, put it into a Petri dish. And from that mycelium starts to grow. And then you Mm. introduce that to the substrate, which in this case was the, beer greens, and the coffee grounds to huh. grow out something called spawn, mm-hmm. which is the mycelium running all throughout the, uh, the substrate or materials. Mm-hmm. And so then we would inoculate a larger amount of um, substrate, which mm-hmm. would, you know, in turn fruit mushrooms. So mm-hmm. he was really influential in the project.
0: Interesting. And, and you were growing them in a refrigerator in the biology lab, I seem to remember. Was that correct?
1: I had this like miraculous experience of being in the biology department was like I mean one of my favorite highlights of graduate school it was so much fun it was like free range of just like running around this lab and no one was ever in there and so Mm. they let me take over an entire giant fridge Mm. it was a huge fridge and so um and then upstairs there was there's something called it's called an autoclave and it's this ju- it's this big machine that you you know put materials into and it sterilizes materials um mm. so it's it's not often that people have access to something like this mm-hmm. and so I would go up there and all of a sudden everybody would be like oh it smells like beer and and,
0: coffee. <laughs> and I'd be like
1: running through the classroom with a cart yeah. filled and yeah. like it was just so fun. They were very open and welcoming to like me doing whatever I wanted in there. They let be yeah. borrow equipment so, and everything.
0: Yeah, it's Can so I interject
2: there again for a yeah. moment too? I, I just want to acknowledge like one of one of the things uh that I think is so interesting here is that I see Amanda as just a person who's like full hands-on, just hands in the stuff. We described her studio a moment ago, all the sort of like growing experiments, you know. And so a lot of those initial efforts that Amanda talked about of trying to grow mushrooms in the lab before, before Han really sort of like stepped in and says, okay, no, no, we have to sort of like sterilize some of this stuff Mm -hmm. was really just kind of that full hands-on hands-in kind of approach. And it, it, you know, it, it sort of like speaks to the kind of intrepid spirit, uh, that we have working here, but then how kind of wonderful it is that, you know, refining this process, you know, sort of allowed it to kind of Unfold yeah. to the next level. So yeah.
0: cool. It's really interesting too how the how the uh, the biology lab allowed you to kind of do that work in a really kind of controlled environment that the sculpture studio didn't really isn't really set up for. Um, yeah. It's just really interesting to see kind of that connection between art and science, but also the different ways that certain um, labs or studio spaces are designed to function. You know what they're yeah. designed to facilitate. Amanda, you did a lecture at the Mid Hudson Mycological Society. And that sort of led to a number of different um, avenues. Um, some of them related to the mycological community and then some of them right back to SUNY New Palt as well. Do you wanna talk about that?
1: Yes, so um, that lecture in particular was really like the, the moment where everything became more about everyone else taking ownership with, of the project. And so one one of the ways that this happened was Will Van Roden, who is an adjunct professor at SUNY New Paltz, was um, there at the lecture and he volunteered a lot of his time um, to doing our branding and he did an amazing job. He Mm -hmm. really did. And so um,
0: I I still have one of the mushroom shed uh, uh, postcards like up on my wall because I, I, I just love that logo that he came up with with the using this sort of the outline of the shed. Um, and so he was just there by chance right he just happened to be a professor at SUNY New Paltz who's into mushrooms.
1: Well he's really involved in the Mid Hudson Mycological Association, so okay. he uh, he's. He's also very close with John Michelotti who is uh, he runs Catskill Fungi, and, and John also runs the lecture series at the Mid Hudson Mycological Association, and who is he's actually who invited me to give the lecture. Hmm. So he does all of Catskill Fungi's uh, branding as well. So he, yeah, he totally hooked us up with mm-hmm. amazing branding. He did all the posters at the the festival. He did so much. He even, you know, helped, you know, create our website. There was a lot that he did um, in terms of that.
0: Yeah, super interesting. And then there was, um, you reached out to the planning board at um, um, on of the town of Suny New Paltz, as well as for the uh, the Huguenot Historical Society about um, situating the the shed, the physical shed itself um somewhere in the town right because you you wanted so you were looking for kind of an off campus venue to to allow that outreach to be even more substantial and um do you guys want to talk a little bit about how the kind of some of those initial planning meeting setbacks um occurred and then like kind of how you decided to kind of persevere through them because i feel like a a lot of people might have stopped right at that first stage like you go to the planning meeting the town shoots it down for one reason or another and you're kind of like oh I guess that's it then but you you guys kind of kept like like from michael from your role as a mentor and then amanda your role um kind of just persevering through this like you you sort of figured out strategies around um the the questions or the obstacles that were kind of placed in your way
2: yeah and amanda
0: just quickly did 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 you do the hudson
2: valley mycological society lecture before uh you approached um the sort of like town board and the huguenots huguenot society
1: it was after um, that's what i
2: thought yeah it was after yeah. because
1: i remember there already being um a drawing of the shed of what it really needed to look like
2: and i think what's really interesting to me here uh is that when amanda went to um well went to the huguenot society to sort of talk to them uh about this project uh and sort of Pitched it, um, they responded with this kind of like list of reasons why they couldn't support the project, and um, I actually think that that provided a framework for Amanda to really structure a really potent and powerful response mm-hmm. um, that would sway them ultimately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also think just to kind of like link link the kind of narrative together that also became the framework for the Mid-Hudson Mycological Society presentation, which I think might have been the first moment, at least in my mind, where Amanda just like pulled it all together and mm. just blew the room away. Mm. Everybody there was just like, oh my god, yeah, yeah, we mm. got to be a part of this project. Mm. And so I, before Amanda just gets in and sort of talks about the nitty-gritty of that, of that part of the process, I just want to acknowledge how that part of the process created the, you know, everything that was necessary um, to finally and robustly uh, shape this entire thing mm-hmm. and pitch it to the public in a bigger way. So I'm sorry, Amanda, I just had to interject that.
1: No, I'll also say, you know, piggybacking off of what Michael was saying about that lecture being really important because a lot of the people who were also at that lecture are still hugely involved in the project. Yeah. Mm. So they're like the main core collaborators of the project, um, most of the people that were there. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, I will say that um, it didn't start with going to the town board. It started with uh, collaboratively talking within the community. And I had approached the family of New which is a, um, uh, it's, it's, I don't know why I'm blanking on the word. It's a,
2: like a social services organization. A social
1: services our organization. And so they um, they had, we originally thought, okay, maybe it could be, you know, behind the building. Like maybe this mushroom shack could be there. And then Ivan, who runs family of New Paltz, said, well, actually, why don't you connect with the Reformed Church of New Paltz? Because they have a community garden that's right on Huguenot Street. Mm. And they, you know, their mission is to, you know, uh, be a green church and mm. feed people mm-hmm. so yeah. i went and talked to cheryl alloway and craig shankles who you know really were hugely uh important in the, in the beginning stages of the project and still are in, in mm-hmm. the project and so we actually i remember craig being like there's no way you're getting this past the <laughs> huguenot street <laughs> people yeah, yeah. and like um so we came, we started to come up with, um, a plan for, to, to, you know, propose this. And, you know, I remember also Craig saying, maybe we could just do this without telling Huguenot. Mm. And, and I was like, no, <laughs> no, we're not doing that. we have to tell him. And so, um, we, uh, we came up with a plan and we thought we, they would, by pitching them an idea. So we originally first had to go to the Huguenot, um, historical society to pitch the idea. Mm-hmm. And so, going to them we thought it would be better if we pitched it as a temporary structure and so I gave this whole presentation and they were like no like you can't do a temporary structure and so for all of these reasons there were reasons of you know safety there was reasons of also the aesthetics were really important because it is um, like even um, on that street if you live on that street you have to get permission to paint your porch a yeah, different yeah. color you know yeah
0: yeah those those landmark landmark districts are notoriously difficult around yeah. any aesthetic decision at all, and so that was going to be one of my questions was like how how did you settle on the the Huguenot historic district as a location because it seemed like out of anywhere in New Paltz that was would be maybe <laughs> the most difficult place to do it, so that's super interesting to hear
1: it was really difficult. the thing that was on our side was the the, the Reformed Church of New Paltz is on Huguenot Street, and mm-hmm. their community garden borders the rail trail, mm-hmm. and, you know, it's it's right in, like, the heart of New Paltz. and so um, they actually own this little square around um, the, it's, like, you know, not far from, like, the division of where Huguenot now owns that part of the land, and so we were able, actually able to say, hey, we got the pastor involved and that got the approval from the church. And so the church saying, you know, this is something we really are behind and we really want to do this. And so he yeah. yeah.
2: It was That's pitched as almost like is an extension of yeah. this church project. Yeah. So that, yeah. that helps. It
1: That's- did help a lot. And so one of the requirements of Huguenot Street, when I gave that presentation with the temporary structure, they said, you know, we're not really into it being temporary, but it also can't be permanent. Mm -hmm. and um it Mm -hmm. needs to tie into the history of the street Mm -hmm. and so I was like okay so I I get that I totally understand why these things are important so I started to get um I started to go on tours of the street I went to that there's a library on Huguenot Street that I went to um I started to research the history of the street and you know I I became fascinated by the Dutch architecture Mm -hmm. and so um there was also elements of the street, like there was once, one of the houses was once like a community general store at one point. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then eventually there was this shed that no one ever talked about that was like kind of hidden. And so finally I asked one of the tour guides like, what is that shed over there? And they were like, oh, that thing, you know, it was just a community space for the, for people the community to smoke their meat at one point. And I was like, oh, oh my God, a... that's it. Yeah. so. <laughs> So we were like, oh, mushrooms, smoking meat, like the community, you know, it's it's a, a community's hub space. Mm-hmm. And so it was built in the 1700s. They did some updates in the 1800s, but we actually went back um, and created plans uh, to create a structure that was almost identical to the smokehouse. It has a lot of different features, um, you know, a slanted roof and things like that. And um, there was also at SUNY New one of the people on the board of the town um, was this man named Tom Olson, who also worked at SUNY New Paltz. And so I got a meeting with him and asked him if he could help me create a plan for Huguenot Street that would actually pass. Mm. And so he said, you know, there actually is a structure that another artist had created on Huguenot Street that is temporary and also not permanent. And they pitched it as a 10-year, a 10-year project. Mm -hmm. So I think if you pitched it that way, they might approve it. Yeah. So, I went back to them with this new project idea and you know, I, ha- I checked all the boxes that they asked to check. And mm-hmm. so they were like, okay. And That's so cool. they were like, now you have to go to the town board and there has to be a public hearing and you need to make sure that the, the public's okay with this. And yeah, yeah. Um, so Michael and I went to the public hearing and um, you know, it got passed. Yeah. And then there was also the aspect of the the building uh, zoning uh, group uh, for the town hall so then they had to you know there was a lot of aspects of that too like they were like this isn't going to be safe and so we had to you know really um there was another collaborator in the project who built like architectural plans Mm -hmm. for the for the structure so we had Mm -hmm. to we had to really get legitimate about what we were doing yeah and so uh then eventually they you know passed it and they i think they uh passed us to build in march of 2019 yeah nice. and and
2: also we should just talk about the fact that amanda reached out to the building inspector as well mm-hmm. because this was a crucial component of getting yeah. the rubber stamp on this yeah and um he actually sort of like really helped us too oh you nice. know he really went out of his way it wasn't just like he was there to kind of enforce rules he's like okay well if you're going to do this you need to do this if you're going to mm-hmm. do this you should probably and really kind of guided amanda yeah. through the process cool. so pretty I, cool I,
0: Yeah. It's super cool. And, and it's interesting too, Michael, how like as a, as a mentor, you, you, you and Amanda went together to the zoning board meeting, you know? Yeah. I mean, really,
2: I'm not kidding about my role as support person. You know, it was just like, yep, I'll be there. Let's, let's, let's figure it out. Absolutely. Every step of
0: the way. It's interesting too, to think about like, um, in terms of like how to fund a project like this, like this within the, the sort of traditional a little bit more of a traditional um, discipline specific uh, framework, because I, I actually remember um, calling in an order uh, for lumber for framing lumber that we used yeah. um, uh, uh, course lab fees for that would would have come out of basically like the thesis course that you were enrolled in. Um, and so that was there was like the framing lumber for the shed was kind of uh, funded in that way, and then you know, you had volunteer labor that sort of through friends and colleagues that sort of helped um, uh, uh, sort of erect the shed as well. It's yeah, it's really interesting how like, um, how, sort of how how creative, um, not just the networking but also the funding um, had to be to, yeah. to to make the the project happen.
2: No, no question and. I I think the fact that I was there every step of the way is just, I was just one person that was kind of there every step of the way. Right. There's a a lot of charisma happening in the the sort of like uh, all around uh, Amanda. She is kind of building and uh, building alliances and there's this kind of swirling energy um, that, you know, there's there's, this vicariously, it's exciting as well. Yeah. um and that's yeah, how that's you true. know that this person is, is 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 going to sort of go on to sort of do great things uh yeah. in in this in this realm
0: yeah it reminds me of a um the, the documentary on Christo's running fence and people yeah. were asking him why he wanted to put this structure through the uh through this ranch land and he was saying you know this all this this zoning uh, these these community meetings like you are all part of my process you know it just <laughs> sort of really reminds me um kind of a, of of that kind of early um uh, social practice model in a way no question um all right so then so then so so from at that from this point then we can kind of talk about like the two different components of the way that the presentation of the work um evolved and so once you kind of had the your um network in place and you had your your system for growing mushrooms dialed in and you had your branding package in place and you kind of had your uh community stakeholders lined up then you had the museum thesis exhibition to sort of think about presenting the work in and then the on-site festival to kind of um, allow the community to actually be part of the the mushroom sheds existence and um and experience and in a way the do you want, so do you want to talk a little bit about kind of like what you did to allow this project to be kind of like presented in a museum context.
1: Yeah, well, you know, Michael and I had gone through many different and I had also a team of advisors, um, this first as my thesis advisors, uh, and we went through so many different scenarios of how this could play out in the museum. Um, but what was so important was to show the, like we talked about before, like the different scores, the different people involved and the network or the mycelial growth that had happened within the community. And so the only way to do that was in real time. Like we tried so many other ways to make that happen. It just felt like stiff and wasn't working. And so mm. I felt really strongly that it needed to be in real time. Mm. So the festival was actually you know, the plan for the thesis project. Mm -hmm. Um, And then thesis started to come around and we realized, okay, you know, something does need to like be in the museum. I don't really remember how it became this like very elaborate thing (laughs) that we ended up doing in the museum. Um, Mm -hmm. But one way to connect the museum to the festival was to actually work with um, SUNY Ulster real world classroom program that Michael had a connection with that's uh, Sean Nixon. Um, I think you used to work with him. Was that something
2: mm-hmm. that's right?
1: And um, so we actually, so they, their students actually work with, you know, real projects out in the world and they created this mushroom map to So, so it basically was a roadmap of how to walk to, from the museum mm-hmm. and to the mushroom set, shed walk to the festival, while you were passing all of the businesses that were oh, actually a cool. part of the cool. project.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so, um, we we did a live stream on Facebook that Michael and um, another collaborator Andrea Frank actually led people um, through the Facebook live um, by interviewing them, asking them what was going on at the festival, and this was this was basically streamed directly into the museum. So people, I had we had a big round table uh, with headphones where people could actually listen to what was happening at the festival. Mm-hmm. And so there was also, like, you know, mushroom books and all, all types of things. Uh, we had mushroom, sw- mushroom shed swag there with, like, bags and stuff that was ma- that were made for the festival. The merch. The merch. The merch. Yeah. Yeah. That was all in the museum. And mm-hmm. um, so that, um, and then there, I also did a mushroom tour. So I, I know that you came to that, Steve, as well. And... Of course, Michael was there, and uh, I, you know, did a presentation or like a lecture uh, in the in the museum about about the project. You know, a lot about what we've been talking about, and then we actually did the walking tour, and we stopped at you know the brewery and had the mushroom beer because the mush for the festival. the The brewery actually did a mushroom beer on tap. Mm-hmm. Um, for the mushroom shed. Yeah. And so and then the uh, the coffee shop had a mushroom coffee and a mushroom yeah. scone, um, all, you know, there for, you know, the yeah. mushroom shed festival that was also part of this tour. And so, um, and then ending at the shed. So yeah. that was also a part of the museum.
0: Yeah, it was so interesting to see how it wasn't like you were just collecting the waste products from these businesses but you were also creating this reciprocal relationship with the businesses where they wanted to participate in such a way that they were they were incorporating kind of your ingredients into their beer brewing or your ingredients into their coffee brewing it was just so interesting to see kind of this the you know those reciprocal relationships forming yeah
1: it's really special
0: yeah and you know
2: i i'd love to speak to the the whole sort of like show at the Dorski. I mean, honestly, the amount of work that uh, had been done to prepare for thesis, you know, outside of the Dorski was probably about the biggest, you know, most uh, ambitious project anybody had ever seen, you know, <laughs> as a thesis project. It was just huge. Mm-hmm. Just so many different variables, so many different collaborators. Um, and you know i i I think probably amanda and i both felt a little bit like well why on earth would you have to sort of like um do this sort of uh museum exhibition as well so much is happening outside that context and frankly this is the type of project that's happening outside of the kind of gallery museum setting really on purpose yeah yeah you know i mean this this is the in social engagement art, this is a big part uh, of, of, of the way the discipline works. And so um, I think we both felt a little bit frustrated by that. But, right, in the but it end, was almost
0: like a requirement, right? Where it, it was, was like sort of a box that you had to check, like something needs to be represented in this traditional quote unquote, like art display space. You know, meanwhile, meanwhile, the festival is going on kind of 20 minutes, uh, a 20 minute walk away on the other side of town, a really lively kind of um, community engaged, um, presentation was already happening over there just not quite in the context that the institution was used to seeing it in
2: that is that is perfectly framed that is exactly right so th- there was some resistance i'm mm-hmm. not even gonna lie there was definitely a feeling that maybe that wasn't quite right that yeah. wasn't servicing the project yeah but i think that the solutions that emerged you know uh this tour this plan tour mm-hmm. this pamphlet for the fl- plan tour this mm-hmm. live stream they were all really interesting ways of making an even an even more inclusive environment mm-hmm. using the institution to make it even more inclusive
0: yeah how spectacular and, yeah and i thought it was really fascinating how a lot of the questions around uh collaboration and authorship kind of came to a head when it came time to decide uh, whose name would go on the museum label right uh, do you, do you want to talk about that for a second amanda
1: yeah, that I remember having the meeting with the the Dorsky, uh, uh, Dorsky, and they were like, no, you can't have all these people on the label. They are not getting their MFA. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was really upset about it because I was like, I don't feel like it's fair to put my name on it only. And so, and it also is every, you know, every, like this project couldn't have happened without everyone's involvement. And so, you know, Michael and I talked about it for a while. And then, um, you know, I kept going back to the Dorsky and asking him, like, okay, you know, can we talk about this a little bit more? And so uh Bob, uh, who leads the Dorsky uh exhibitions, he said, To be fair, Amanda, the people involved in this project are not mounting this exhibition. This is something that you are doing. Um, so the exhibition part is actually you are ask your, your project. Mm -hmm. Um, so I sort of understood where he was coming from with there. So we ended up, um, creating, uh, a compromise. Uh, Mm -hmm. so it said, you know, that, that The exhibition part was you know had my name on it but then it said in collaboration with and had Mm -hmm. a list of every single person involved um so that was really important
0: yeah it's it was so interesting too right like having that conversation sort of with the the museum institution in a way about about how to frame this and how to package it in a way that that's going to work um for everybody involved it's just interesting to see how your project kind of raises those questions kind of in that context
2: and it's exciting terrain Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, how what wonderful questions that are being raised. Yeah, um, not all of them are totally new. Yeah. But uh, yeah. but particularly exciting to see happening in this type of an environment. Right.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Certainly those questions have been raised for a long time by a lot of other artists um, in a lot of different contexts. But it sort of seemed like um, that was the first time that this institution had dealt with some of those questions in yeah. an MFA thesis context. For sure. Um, Amanda, do you want to share any current updates on uh, what's going on with the mushroom shed at the moment?
1: Yes. So um, after the festival, uh, which happened in May 2019, we started regular meetings every second Tuesday of the month. And that was intended to facilitate a learning experience for the public to understand mushroom cultivation 101. And then that would eventually help us develop a plan to create a community (laughs) mushroom garden that would be at the shed. Then COVID happened, uh, which basically changed some of these plans, so we started to do this in smaller groups with the community. And as the internal group, there's, you know, as I mentioned, there's a group of us who kind of lead the project together uh, collaboratively. Um, We did a hard reset um, and realized that the path we were on was pretty unsustainable in terms of our time and energy. And we had a real desire to expand beyond the Shed's location to reach different demographics. And um, over the past year and a half, we've developed a virtual program with simple how-to videos uh, to grow oyster mushrooms on coffee grounds and cardboard in a small container or a five-gallon bucket. And we've hosted a few kit sales to raise money and have started forming partnerships with organizations, including the Poughkeepsie Farm Project and Cornell Small, uh, Small Farms Project. So we donate kits to these programs currently.
0: So I want to just thank you both for uh, sharing your participation in this project. Really, really appreciate you guys taking the time to kind of um, go through all the different details and all the different levels of involvement that you that each had sort of bringing the mushroom shed into fruition.
2: Thank you for featuring this project, Steve.
1: Thank you so much, Steve. This is a pleasure. Thank you.